Welcome everybody to the Connect Germantown podcast. I'm Janie Day with the Germantown Chamber of Commerce, and we are talking to three business owners today, Kevin Hertzke with Buff City Soap, and Dr. Angie Zinkus with Germantown Parkway Animal Hospital, also my veterinarian, and also with Robbie Yates, who uh, owns and has developed the follow-up. We are brought to you today by Paragon Bank, who is our sponsor. Paragon Bank believes that local banking is better banking. Paragon knows small business because they are one right here in Memphis with made to order banking served up by folks with local knowledge, personal investment, and a broad portfolio of banking services. Paragon's expert lenders have the tools to help you reach your business goals. They're offering loans, lines of credit, and SBA loans to small businesses in the Memphis area. Paragon has loans to fit your needs, whether you are looking to purchase new inventory, new equipment, or at a location, and beyond. Paragon can also help you with cash management, payroll, accounts receivable management, and more through their suite of business solutions. Put Paragon Bank to work for your small business. You can contact Paragon today at area code 901-273-2900 or visit bankparagon.com, member of FDIC. Today we are visiting with Kevin Hertzke, owner of Buff City Soap with three locations. We will discuss purchasing a franchise, the research that goes into purchasing, and how to choose the right franchise. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Janie? I'm good. Uh, thanks for being with us today and taking your time out. I know you run two jobs, so I know yeah. how busy that can be. Um, let's start with why did you decide to purchase Buff City Soap? I just love it. I love the concept. I, I, I love the, the, the different smells. And I just love uh, the whole concept around Buff City Soap, uh, about it being all about plant-based oils. And um, honestly, I just love the smells. <laughs> well, that's, that's terrific. So do we. Um, yep. So what, how did you hear about it to begin with? Well, I started with, with Brad, working with Brad uh, with the insurance, uh, doing the insurance with, with Buff City Soap. And so that's how I, I came to know Brad and um, started seeing what they were doing. And um, so really it kind of all started through us doing their insurance. So since you love the products so much, tell us about all of them. Well, we have a lot of different products. Uh, the soap, the soap bars are our main product, obviously. Uh, but we also have bath bombs and we have shower fizzies. Uh, we have bath, uh, body butters, uh, mm -hmm. shower oil, um, foot scrub, face scrub, sugar scrubs. Um, I mean, you, you name it with skincare products and, and we kind of have a good bit of it. Another product that we have is our laundry soap. And um, mm -hmm. that's been absolutely just, that's been awesome. The laundry that's soap is has taken off and exploded and it, it's been awesome. I use that for, uh, I, I love it too. And talk about the smells. I mean, it's amazing for, uh, for towels and sheets and uh, just anything. It's a light, light smell. It's not overwhelming, but uh, it, it, and don't you have something for men too, besides all the women smelling so great? <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, everything in there can be used by men. I mean, I use all the products, so it's not just a men's and women's different, you know, sections, but, um, but we do have some beard oil, uh, and we have shave soaps, uh, and we do have some more manly scented, uh, soaps that we put in our men's corner. So like beast beast is one of them. Yes. Yeah, they, and who comes up with all those names? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, um, Brad and his crew kind of came up with most of the original names, okay. um, but they allowed the stores to come up with local line soaps. And so the stores come up with their own names and, and scents and colors and stuff like that. Right. And we have one called Germantown or the Germantown name is in some of them, I think. It, it is. We have Germantown Goddess. 
That's it. And yeah, and and that is a, a favorite of my wife's. She she loves that. So we came up with that when when we opened the store uh, in March of 2019. Yeah. Right. And so Collierville has something there with their name on it in Oxford, Mississippi. I'm I'm guessing. Uh, yes. E each each store has its own local line. We have about seven different local line soaps and and products in uh, or scents. Um, uh, of all the different products. So each, each store has specific uh, sense to that store. Okay, terrific. So, um, and I understand you have parties. Is that uh, kids parties where they can come help make soap? How does that work? Well, we do have parties and most of them are bath bomb parties. So it was, when we first opened, it was real popular to have birthday parties in there. So kids would come in and bring their friends and they would make bath bombs. And um, so that, that, that's a, a very popular thing. Of course, we had, a, had to shut that down last year, but we are reopening that. Um, so we are doing bath bomb parties again. Um, you, we do have soap making classes. Um, they're a little bit different than the bath bomb parties um, just because there's, there's more detail in the soap making. But um, bath bomb parties have been very popular for kids and for church groups or any kind of group to come in that's just like team building events you know a group would come in and, and make bath bombs they could bring in food and drink and and um, just kind of relax and and have a good time making bath bombs yeah. <laughs> well it sounds like fun if somebody wanted to do that how do they get in touch with you is it on your website or it is but the best thing to do is just to call the store and say okay. hey uh, you know, what's more, give me some more information about the bath bomb parties and, and go from there. And somebody is running your social media. Yes. Uh, who is that? <laughs> that is my daughter. Yeah. Um, so her name is Kate and she's been running the social media for a while. Um, now she did just start a new job with Featherstone Weddings, uh, and they are actually branching out and starting, a. a company called Sage Productions. So she's heading that up. So uh, now Sage Productions is doing all our social media, but my daughter Kate is the one that's that's putting all that out. Okay. Because she has um, specials that she puts out to all of us uh, at least weekly and definitely on weekends. So that must be the way that you are increasing your business and your widespread by way of widespread media. It, it is. Social media is, is huge as far as getting the word out. I mean, that's the best thing that we can do. Um, print magazines and stuff are, are, are good for us, but the social media part of it can reach so many more people and uh, on a quicker base. And wow. so we're able to, to blast those out. So with the social media, we, we put out specials that we're having. We're putting out new products that we have. Um, of course, you know, every weekend we have a weekend sale every Tuesday, we have mm -hmm. the Tuesday sale. So we just kind of put that out there. And then we also, uh, if you're part of our rewards program, we have, um, text messages that we're able to communicate back and forth and let you know, you know, what the weekend sale is and what the Tuesday sale is. Well, I know, uh, the Germantown Chamber partners with you quite often. We just had a golf tournament and uh, we helped name the soap that, that we used. Uh, it was green and we called it uh, on the green because uh, mm -hmm. sometimes golfers are going to stand to their other players. Did it get on the green? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that we came up with uh, as, a, as a group. So, and you helped us with that. What'd you do for that? Well, that's really the cool thing about what we do is we can customize everything. And so what we're able to do for golf tournaments or any other kind of event is we can create a soap uh, with the specific colors that you want and the specific scent that, that you want the soap to smell like. And so that's just really a cool thing is we, we can create that specifically for you and, and, and your event and uh, we can share that with everybody in there. Well, and all the participants of the golf tournament uh, got a, a bar of soap uh, that mm -hmm. I'm sure if they didn't know about Buff City Soap, now they do. And it also increases business. So it was a great idea 
uh, to put that in the goodie bag that we had for all of our golfers in June. Yeah, that was yeah. terrific. So um, what have you learned from all this endeavor? <laughs> um, the retail world is a lot different than the private sector of an insurance business, for sure. Um, it is 24-7, so it's, um, it, it, it's a lot different. But um, it's just been a lot of fun for, for me and my family. And, uh, you know, my whole family's involved and my girls work at the stores and um, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, being able to build something, all of us together. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's still a people business, which is what I do in the insurance business. And so, you know, customer service is, is our number one thing that we want to um, emphasize to all of our employees that without the customer, we don't have a business. So um, we really want to take care of those customers and, and do our best at it. And you know, not to say that we don't fail every once in a while or do something wrong, but we always try to do uh, the right thing by the customer and, and make them happy. Well, it's a great idea. That's a great um, franchise. I love the products myself. Any words of wisdom to um, people who are thinking about buying a franchise or setting up a retail shop or uh, anything that would help them of our, any of our listeners? You know, I, I would say just being 100% committed to your product um, and, and really knowing that you're going to have to work really hard to make that, to, to make that thing go. And, um, you know, it kind of, we didn't start out trying to go find a franchise to buy. It just kind of, I wouldn't say fell in our lap, but it just kind of happened that way. And, so um, I would say if you're looking to buy a franchise or, or something in that business that you need to be 100% committed to, to it and you really need to, to love that product. Yeah. Because the more you love it, the more your customers see how much you love it and um, they're going to love it as well. Well, and that's true just in any business. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, it'll show. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, thank you for your time, Kevin. It's been terrific. You're a great chamber member. It's a partnership that we thoroughly enjoy. Your product is uh, all of your products. I haven't tried the men's, but uh, <laughs> all of the products, all the products are terrific. And thank you for your partnership. And we will continue on because uh, a lot of our chamber members are definitely in your store all the time. <laughs> well. Yeah. We, uh, we thank you very much, and Germantown Chamber has been great for us, and we really appreciate y'all's relationship with us. So, oh, thank you. Terrific. Hi, Robbie. Uh, great to have you on the show. Um, this is Robbie Yates, who uh, invented the Follow app. So we're going to talk about that. We are here to discuss uh, how he came up with the idea and how it came into reality and how it's going and how many people are involved. <laughs> So uh, thanks for sharing your time with us today. But let's start with what you started out with as a business, which was you were in the U.S. Coast Guard. Tell me about that. So I appreciate the time and thank you for inviting me on the show, Jenny. This is a great time. I appreciate it. Sure. You're welcome. Uh, for me, it was when I went to Coast Guard, it was I joined late. Kind of give the quick overview of it. I went in <laughs> when I was 26. I just knew I had to shake things up in my life and I had to just get out of Memphis. And... I just, you know what, hey, I'm going to do it. And then when I went to Coast Guard, it was unbelievable time. I can't say enough about it. It really shaped and transformed me to the old saying that made a man out of me. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was it was uh, quite the experience. And I was so fortunate to be pushed to the absolute limit and beyond what I thought I could do and capable of. And then I was a corpsman in the Coast Guard. And then I signed up with every intentions to, to be a lifer. But then life happens and I met my wife and I thought, okay, this is, this is the one. And the reason why I made that transition out, uh, quick stories when I was out at sea, I remember talking to a friend of mine and it was in the summer of 2004. And he goes, man, what, he goes, what's today? I got, I said, I have no idea, man. We're in the middle of the Atlantic. <laughs> I, said, I, I don't know. Tuesday, Sunday. I said, oh, it's all the same. He goes, no, what's today's date? 
I thought, man, I don't know. I said, I don't really look at a calendar at sea. So we're just constantly working. Sometimes you're up at midnight. Sometimes, I mean, you never, your sleep schedule is all thrown off. And he, that moment he goes, my daughter turned 10 yesterday and I forgot to send her an email wishing her happy birthday. And I thought, wow, that's a momentous occasion in the child's life to in double digits. And that's exciting for them because they're, you know, they're a tween. And I thought, you know, if I ever meet somebody, I'm going to start, you know, I don't want to have a family with, I'll make that transition and get out of the Coast Guard. That was in June of 2004. And in July of 2004, literally a month later, I met my, my wife and then I started making a transition out. That is life changing. And, and yeah. uh, that, that's, yeah. that's interesting to hear. So then you went to Liberty Mutual. Is I that did. Next? Well, um, almost. Yeah. I, when I was in the Coast Guard, I was a, a corpsman, which means you're a medic. And I was able to do a lot of things, help out with minor surgeries, taking labs, you know, administering IVs, drawing blood, taking x-rays, you name it. I felt like I was able to, to do it, which was unfortunate because uh, their Coast Guard is so small. I was able to be thrown in so many different roles. And then when I transitioned out, I got my degree in nuclear medicine because I was going to be a nuke med tech. And just the time and economy, there wasn't there weren't anything available. I literally was going into hospitals, passing my resume out and they would look at me and they go, you can apply online. I said, well, I know. I said, but if I do that, my, you're not going to know my face. You're not going to know my name. I said, but if something comes available, please think of me. And I said, I appreciate the opportunity. And I was literally just, I was going with a hundred mile radius of Memphis and there wasn't anything. I came close to a job though in Corinth, Mississippi, and I lost out to a local. It was me and the local. And then so I needed to provide for my family. I got a job with um, Siege Robinson in logistics, completely out of my wheelhouse, but it's sales. And I thought, hey, here's a chance for me to benefit my family. Great company, enjoyed it. I was there for five years. Uh, I was looking for some growth and another opportunity for my family. And then I was looking outside of Liberty Mutual. I'm sorry, outside of Siege Robinson. And that's when I landed with Liberty Mutual. And that was uh, with insurance there for a little while. Okay. And then at some point you joined the chamber and uh, the Germantown chamber uh, Mm -hmm. to help your business and network and so forth. Uh, And, and we were at a a city current breakfast, if I'm correct. And you were sitting at the table uh, and, and, and what happened? (laughs) How did this idea of the follow-up, how did the follow-up app, how was that created? Yeah, it was actually kind of that. It was, we're attending, like you said, a city current breakfast at the Great Hall in Germantown. I'm sitting around looking at the sea of people. There were about 200 people in the room and I'm wondering, it was great to see some familiar faces and talk with them, but I'm sitting in the event and I'm wondering who in the world was on the other side of the room that I can connect with and I can do business with. At the time I was with the chamber for, I say probably a year, if not two years. I don't know, I've been several years now with the chamber of commerce, but- at the, the time, I was probably like a year in, and I'm looking around the people, and I'm like, okay, who are they, and what does she do, and what does he do, and I didn't want to walk past 30 people to talk to that one individual that might not be a fit for each other's business, and realize that the number 17th person I just passed was the person I need to talk to, and then so, and then after the event, I realized that I kind of felt empty, like I didn't fulfill like what I was trying to do, and network, and meet some new people, and even though when we do meet new people, it's not a guarantee it's going to be a fit for each other's business. You just don't know. Um, that's just part of the fun of networking. You just never know until you go into a room and, and talk and start talking to people. And so I just was trying to find something to help me out. And I started looking for apps to help me out. And there really wasn't anything to fit the mold. There were the business card apps. And there, yes, there are event apps. But even those the business card is really more of a one-to-one transaction, which is the same as a business card. And then you have the event apps where you have to be in that event to use the app. And I always want to find something where I could go from the Great Hall to a ribbon cutting to a Germantown luncheon to an after hours or you know the lunch for you, stuff that the different events the chamber has, a way that I can still have the same app with me and interact with people virtually. And I thought, okay, there's nothing there. Let's see if we can't create this. And then, so I just started networking and talking to people and fast forward two years and now we've launched and we're still learning and growing and it's been a, it's been a whirlwind for sure, but it's been exciting. Well, I know you didn't do this all by yourself because nobody creates a business, you know, all by themselves, but did you get a technology person first? Uh, you know, we got the idea 
and now how do we launch it into you know you got into apple how did how did, how did the technology work and how did getting into apple discuss yeah. those uh, absolutely well you're right I, I can't do this by myself and i couldn't I, was, I thought about learning code and i thought man if i learn the code and try to do that then that's just going to push me so far away i'll just be light years behind so i thought let me see if i can't reach out to somebody that knows a developer. So I was in Toastmasters at the time and a gentleman that I met there, Vinky Mandapati, he created a startup in a company here in Memphis, UpSquad. So we met over coffee and I was talking and I said, hey, I'm looking for some developers. Do you know anybody? He invited me to an event that was held at the University of Memphis. And I'm really sitting in the event and it was great to see that, but I'll be honest, I'm looking at my phone and I haven't had a chance to meet anybody yet. And I looked at my phone and I have two children and this was a few years ago. So at the time they were pretty young and I'm looking at my phone and it was seven 30 and I knew it's roughly about their bedtime and I want to be there to tuck them in and help my wife out. But I thought, no, don't leave early, stick around. Let's see what happens. And at the end of the event, I met three developers. I talked to them, interviewed those individuals. One of them, we hit it off really well. And then I thought, okay, great. We're off and running. So then it was, um, a bit of a learning curve because I put a lot of trust in this individual, which is okay. I was new to this world, so I didn't know. And then we brought on another individual to help us out on the IT side. And that was last year. And our CTO, Scott, really just kind of skyrocketed, took us to the next level. Um, we had more developers around us to really get us to the iStore and the Apple. And to your point about the, the Apple Store, the App Store and Google Play, those are things I didn't know about. So you have to sign up, you have to um, pay them. It's not much, it's really, it's $99 for the year for um, a developer. But at the same time is, yes, you do have that contract. You submit, you have to submit some documentations. They fill everything, kind of vet you out, which rightfully so. So you get vetted out once you get approval to release software in the app store. Your contract, you have a contract through a year to be able to push your product. And then once we're able to do that, then we have to go through the hurdles, the guidelines of making sure we meet the requirements. So then we're keeping everything up to date in the privacy aspect. So we're appeasing the users, but also appeasing the app store. So then you have to look at all fronts of it. And then once you do that and then check all the boxes, if you will, then you have to release your product. And once you do that, you have to do a test. And then once you get it tested, then Apple, before you can release it to the public, you send it to be reviewed. So Apple gets your product they review it. Google does the same. They review your product to make sure it, it works. There's not any bugs. You can release it to the public. You can test it. And there's been times they, they sent it back and they said, this is rejected, you know, work on it again. <laughs> so that was the interesting curve because I thought you just built something, you put it out there and it's good. So behind the scenes, after getting rejected a few times, and then we fine tune what we needed and then we're able to release our product. Okay. So <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> mm. It took no, I wish from, it did. <laughs> yeah. So basically, start to finish, it's it's been three or four years. Uh, it's been actually two years, but okay. it's still still a work in progress. Well, what I mean well, by sure. that is we have it's called the MVP, the most uh, minimal valuable product. And once we have that, which we do have, we're getting in the hands of users, getting them to really use it, and we're seeing because there's one thing you can have an idea for an app or any type of software, anything a business. But once you get it in the hands of the users and see them interact with it, then you realize, hey, this is a pain point we didn't think about and we need to implement this. And this, so you really have to listen and pay attention to how the users are in, interacting with it. And then we conduct surveys and we're getting feedback so we can incorporate with um, into the app. So we have a lot of stuff that's on the back burner. And I feel like I now see what Apple goes through when they do their big reveal because they have a lot of stuff that they they're working all the time that we don't even know about, and they have stuff in their secret you know lab, if you will, for like that they so we have stuff on our I call it the back burner yeah. that we're we want to slowly un, unveil it and un, roll out within the app. So what people have now was great, and we appreciate them using it. But there's other components that we're gonna be unveiling and, and rolling out in the very near future. Okay, kind of like an expansion of a business, you know, like a bank adds another branch or something. So it's never uh, stationary or, you know, it's just got to move on. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what we have now, it's great. We have a lot of things. So what we're doing, we're taking the masses and we're getting 
So if we, if we survey 100 people and out of that 75 people are saying, we really wish it had this feature, then okay, great. Then we can put that in there. I'm not saying we're negating the other 25 people and what they want, but it's still beneficial to have that information and what we can use for further down the road. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your advisory board and, and, and why did you think that you needed an advisory board? Now, to be honest, at first I didn't think about an advisory board. This is all new to me. This, this whole territory, I'm, I'm, it's uncharted territory. And I credit, honestly, my time in the Coast Guard and the first ship that I was on, it was this massive sailing vessel. It's three masts. It's 23 sails. It's the length of a football field. I mean, it's literally like sailing in the 1700s when you're out in the Atlantic. I mean, it's just massive sailing vessel, but it's a training vessel as well for the cadets and people that go through that. So here I am, Memphis, Tennessee, in the middle of the Atlantic, having to learn, you know, the aids of navigation and nautical sayings and how to sail and being thrust in the lines then, if you will. So I took that experience and other things that I did in the service to start this business. And I didn't know anything about an advisory board. So talking with a gentleman that I had actually on my podcast, it was, um, we hit it off and he's actually um, out in Silicon Valley. And he says something about an advisory board. I'm like, oh, what's an advisory board? <laughs> so he started talking to me about it. And <laughs> I mean, completely naive to it. And so, I thought, okay. And so we're talking and he actually had an accelerator and I went through an accelerator. He had really helped fine tune to where we are now because it was just absolute. He's, a, he's built so many businesses and sold them. And he's just, I can't say enough about the individual. So anyways, I put together an advisory board and that's been immense because they're providing a lot of expertise and they're things that we're going to grow through and growing pains. It doesn't create shortcuts. It actually helps fast track it because something that may take me 10 years, I can just talk to somebody that's been doing it for 30 years and they say, Hey, you know what? I've tried this, this, the ABC do these things here. It's going to be beneficial. Where I'll, what I'll do is I'll throw an idea. It's kind of great sounding board. So I'll throw some ideas that we're doing, working on. And they say, okay, that's good. That's a very rough edge. Let's fine tune it and shape it, you know, to help reach the market that much easier. So it's been extremely beneficial in that regard. Well, it sounds like it. What kind of businesses, and you, you don't have to have names on it, just um, what kind of businesses do you have in there? Is there a banker on the advisory board or salespeople or uh, yeah, we have, um, technology. yep, we have, um, actually all that. So we have, um, I don't know if, if people want me to use first names, last names, I'll just use first names. It's a, <laughs> that's fine. I, <laughs> so Jeff, for an example, um, serial entrepreneur, he actually had a meeting in the nineties. He had a sit down interview with one-to-one, -one, uh, a meeting with Steve jobs and he closed the deal with Apple. And so he's, there you go. Built several software companies and has built a great team. And so he knows that realm, if you will. So it's a great resource to have in Silicon Valley of another individual, John, who's built two software companies, sold them, and he's a business coach and mentor to others and extremely wealth of knowledge. Um, we have another individual there um, in sales. Her name's Lori. She's a great insight resource to what's going on, a pulse within the community. And it's just very beneficial to have that too. And then we have Don, who is a great individual, and he comes from the, the hospitality industry, and he's been in that realm for over 30 years and has built a company and sold it. So I'm trying to get a team around that has built companies and, knows, and know what it's like to get something off the ground and launch and then have that acquisition in different realms. And the reason why Don's beneficial for the hospitality industry is because what we're doing uh, with our software, yes, is great for the chamber luncheons but also for a hotel as they host events, we can help them out with their event. People keep people COVID friendly and then extend the life of their event as well. And then, so there's partnerships. So we're looking to form there and do some tests here in Memphis. And Don is great to create those introductions too. Okay, I get mm -hmm. it. That's a, sounds like a great team, uh, very diversified, but that's what you need. So do you have any advice for, um, people who might want to create an app besides it takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say I was guilty of this when I first started, when I set the company up, I started as an LLC and that's completely okay. You can do that. But um, any, most, I say any, um, all investors, they're going to want to see that you're a Delaware C Corp. And there's a lot of legality stuff that goes with it, but I'd rather see that invest with a C Corp than 
um, an LLC. And I feel like everybody east of California is an LLC, except for California, they say, hey, we need to start with a, with a C Corp to get investors. So when you seek investors and investment from people, either it's a company or if it's a single angel, angel investor, you need to be a C Corp. Um, also, have an advisory board. It's huge because, as you alluded to a minute ago, I've got a great resource of individuals from various backgrounds to tap into, but they've been in their realm and industry for so long that it's also tapping into their network to really, when we're ready, to springboard us to the next step, the next level. Yeah. So that's instrumental. And then also, it helped me when I shifted the mindset, the mindset over from just creating an app to hey, we're building a business and we're building a software company that can help people out and we know that what's going to. So instead of just having an app on your phone, an app to me is Candy Crush. It's just a little simple game. You play it, you're done with it. But we're building something actually that's going to sustain people and their business and help out. So if you're doing something, you know, it's going to impact the community or set industry, healthcare, whatever the industry is that you think that app can benefit, think about it more of, I'm building a company and not just an app and it'll take you so much farther and you have a better mindset for the growth of it. Terrific advice. And I, I'm sure our listeners really, um, that does make a lot of sense. And where can people go to download the app and, and how to use it? Sure. The easiest way is go to the followapp.net forward slash download. And that's if you're on your laptop or computer that'll prompt you to send a text message to your phone. And then I'll give you a direct link to the website um, an app store to download it. Or if you want to go straight to the app store, it's follow app dash networking, and that'll take you straight to the app. Thank you for your time, Robbie. And thank you for letting me be on your podcast. <laughs> uh, that was fun too. So thanks again. And we will see you at the next uh, ambassador meeting and uh, beyond. So thank you for being a great chamber member and uh, supporting the chamber as, as well as you do. Thanks again. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate your time. And thank you for the invite. This has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you. For those of you who have pets at home, whether you have a cat or a dog or a bird or anything else, we all need to take them to the veterinarian occasionally. So today we have Dr. Angie Zinkas, my veterinarian, here to discuss the business of dealing with the owners, the employees, and the process during, during COVID. And also we're gonna talk about a nonprofit called Not One More Vet. Um, that was very interesting. So welcome to the Connect Germantown podcast, Dr. Zinkas. And let's begin with what's the best part of every day working with the animals? <laughs> yes, well, first of all, thank you for having me, Janie. It really means a lot um, to be able to come out and speak and represent my, my profession. Um, so I, gosh, that's a, you know, the thing about veterinary medicine is no two days, no two minutes are the same. So you don't know what to expect. And I'm, I always am wanting something new. Um, obviously when the new puppies come in, um, seeing the people so excited and, and actually seeing that human animal bond, um, that is so unique. Um, and it, it's expensive especially became stronger during the COVID pandemic, it became very strong with people because so many people were at home. So I think, I think it's seeing that human animal bond and obviously being able to save the animals that we do save up here. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's an amazing feeling when, when you save somebody's baby. Yeah, that's true. Um, so speaking of COVID, how, how did your profession deal and change with, uh, with COVID? It was rough. I can now say we can get through anything after that. So the, the hardest part was um, we, we were being told stuff by the Tennessee Veterinary Medical Association, as well as the CDC, and we had to follow those guidelines. And I think the, the hardest part was not being able to, I love to come face to face with, with my clients. I love that more than anything, but I couldn't do that. And, and it was beyond my choice. And so that was what was hard. And a lot of clients thought that we just didn't want to bring them in and, you know, we didn't care, you know, and that wasn't the case at all. We had to follow these guidelines or we could be shut down. And at the beginning of it all, you know, clinics were shutting down, but we kind of came together and was like, you know, you know, our practice manager, Dr. Wolverton and myself um, came together and we were like, look, we have to see these patients because these new puppies that everybody's getting during what we call the COVID puppy boom, which as a side note, about 12.6 million families got puppies during that time for companionship. 
we had to see those puppies for regular vaccines or three months later, we were going to see parvo, a, you know, a big parvo case or something like that. And that's what we are seeing with that. Also, a lot of clients, that was some, a, a being they could take care of and they had control over with the unknown of, of COVID. And so with these people coming in, a lot of people were almost hypersensitive to their pets. And um, unfortunately, I mean, the majority of people were understanding, but a lot of people um, got very, some people got belligerent um, with, especially my upfront staff took it, took a beating. Um, and so there were a lot yeah. of conversations I had with people to be like, please don't take it out on them. We're trying the best we can. And, and this carries over to, you know, ER veterinary medicine, which um, all of us were trying to work shifts over to help them. And people were getting, complaining about four to six hour waits. But honestly, um, being back there, you're almost overwhelmed with the cases you can see. And so I guarantee if you do have a four to six hour wait, I promise they aren't in the back knitting or anything. <laughs> They're trying the best they can <laughs> to get these patients in and be thankful your pet's not rushed in because if your pet's rushed in, that's, that's a bad prognosis. You know, we have to triage according to what you see. So if I'm in the ER or up here seeing an ear infection and a hit by a car comes in, well, obviously I have to see that one first because it's more critical. And the majority of people are very understanding, but if I, I almost, if you could see what goes on behind the scenes, I think it would be a better understanding, but on the same thing, a lot of the things we see um, aren't something I would put on social media <laughs> um, oh. because a lot of it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. a lot of the stuff we're, we're dealing with, but, but co I mean, we've been increasingly busy and there is, and this isn't just Memphis, there's a nationwide veterinary shortage right now. The vet schools just, and this was happening before COVID, but it's worse. And now because of the, there's, you know, a lot of practices that are shutting down and even in the Memphis area, and there just aren't enough vets to fill the positions. And so where we used to be a four doctor practice, we're now a two doctor practice. And that's been, and obviously we're actively looking, but we have to find the right match, but it's become increasingly difficult just with the sheer caseloads. Well, that's what I've heard. And also just the separation of taking you all, taking the dog or the cat out of the car and out of the owner's yes. sight uh, I know when I brought Cassidy, uh, my Corgi in, you know, mm -hmm. she was looking back like, are you not coming mom? I mean, yes. they don't want to go. They know going to the yes. vet is usually stressful anyway. Somebody's right. going to shoot them with a needle and other yes. things. So, and then you said you have that separation. Was that a problem with some of the animals when they got into the yes. office? Did they have Absolutely. to for something? I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's, good and bad because some dogs actually do better away from their owners. I call it <laughs> pediatrician syndrome. So when, it, when a child goes to the pediatrician and their mom is right there, they're going to try to act up to get some more ice cream later and, and get sympathy. And some dogs do that, not, not consciously, but, but some owners are, like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know? So yes, yeah, some dogs are great. Some dogs, not so much. So we try so hard to work very slowly with them. And, and there were cases where the dog was better with the owner and we'd say you know what number one what is best for the dog and if it was to bring that owner in we would in several cases and we'd say you know what we, or we'd reschedule the appointment um until we could bring them in so we kept we were very cognizant about it, it boiled down to what was best for the patient not about me not about my staff not about the owner the patient right so have you opened up so far at this point? Yes. Yeah, so June 1st, we opened and obviously we have to, you know, especially with the new CDC recommendations, we have to have everybody in masks. Um, we have always let people in regardless of the whole thing, obviously, if they were going to euthanize their pet. I mean, and that's been the same with the ER. That's always, I mean, that's just has to happen. I don't care what they say. I would have, even if the CDC said no, I would have ignored them. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them that but but that is that is such a personal thing um but we have reopened and um obviously cleanliness is, is of the utmost um and and right. you know basically just just seeing people in now and and i love it because i can talk to people again and see them again and find out how things have been in their life and and all that stuff <laughs> so i know you've uh, joined kind of a larger group can you tell us a little bit about that I know you're looking yes. for another veterinarian, but but it, I think there's an association or something you joined. Mm -hmm. So so we are we are and and when people hear the term corporate, they immediately are like, oh my gosh, corporate, ah! you know. But honestly, 
that is the way veterinary medicine is going. And, and, you know, 22 years ago, when I started here as a veterinary technician, my goal was to buy the clinic. Well, unfortunately, veterinary medicine has gotten more expensive. And with corporate buy, buying us, and, and it depends on the corporate you get. So we are through Pet Vet Care Centers, which has been amazing. They have, I'm probably doing the best I've ever done in my career. The benefits, the, 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 the biggest thing was letting me be able to practice how I want to practice. And, and that's what they, they don't tell me how to practice. Obviously, you know, there's always going to, with anything, even if you're privately under corporate, there's always going to be little things. But it has allowed us to pay our staff what they're worth because my vet techs and my receptionists don't get paid near, no vet tech or receptionists get near paid what they're worth for what they do. Um, they allow me um, to, um, they allow us to get equipment to better manage our patients. So digital x-ray, ultrasounds, things that, that I can better manage my patients. So in the long run, it really comes out better. They don't pay, I'm not brainwashed. They don't pay me to say any of this. But honestly, it has been the better route. And, and if you'll notice, a lot of the clinics that are shutting down are, are privately owned, sadly, um, because you just can't make it in this environment and practice the level of medicine you want to practice um, without sure. some extra money behind you. Well, yeah. I'm sure that's true, especially, you know, the world of technology is changing everywhere. If you try exactly. to do your business, whether it's the chamber or whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, a, a law office or a retail, you know, you can't do the work that you did 22 years ago. It's, it, right. it, it moves too fast and digital, I'm sure exactly. does help a lot. Yeah. Yes. It, I just, and, and, you know, they've uh, paid for both Dr. Wolverton and I and, and to, to go to, you know, her, you know, different CEs to advance, you know, for me, orthopedics for her ultrasound dentistry mm -hmm. to help, um, better our, make us better veterinarians to better treat our patients. Well, terrific. So uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, nonprofit that was um, created called Not One More Vet. What is that about? Yes. So the, the conception with, with veterinary medicine, you hear, you hear little girls and little boys say, I want to be a veterinarian because I want to play with puppies all day, which I mean, yes, I love it. One of, but that's, that's far from what this is. And a lot of people say, I want to get into veterinary medicine so I don't have to deal with people. Well, <laughs> the dog and cat don't drive themselves up here. We don't, we don't have tunes since the driving cat driving themselves. So there's always an owner you have to, I don't want to say deal with, but work with as well. Um, and so not one more vet was created because of, I guess what started it was 2014 when an excellent, excellent, excellent veterinary uh, behaviorist named Dr. Sophia Yen committed suicide. Unfortunately, veterinary medicine does have the number two, and I think with COVID, it moved up to number one suicide rate. And it's because we are all have bleeding hearts. We're all empathists. Um, we all work beyond our means. And, and that's why it's, it's very frustrating to hear when people are, you know, especially at the ERs. I mean, I, I, I wish I could do like a, a show people. I mean, you see, they have the ER shows on TV. But what really goes on and, and the stress you're taking on, I, I mean, just to be very blunt, I walked into one shift where I had two patients crashing. One was a six, 16 week old puppy and a 16 year old dog. And at that point, I have to play God and decide what I can do for these ones. And unfortunately, with, with both of them, I couldn't do anything. They're, they were too far gone. And I had to tell these people, I'm sorry, we have to euthanize. And so that's you know, two families I had to crush. And so that, that just gives an example of that emotional, the toll it can take on you. Um, I don't want to say you get hardened to it, but with, with euthanasia and things like that, you, you know, you're doing the right thing to alleviate animal suffering. And so, um, you know, you know, also people, like I mentioned before with COVID got hypersensitive about their pets and, um, were, got, got very, um, you know, just why are you taking my dog away? Just, you know, just accusatory almost. Um, and so all that builds up into also, you know, you've got, you know, students with debt coming out of vet school, um, working long hours and not getting paid what you're worth. You know, all of that builds up, you know, you've got an animal that dies. You've got, you've got, you know, so many things stressed on you that um, this organization was formed to provide support. Um, there's nothing more disheartening than hearing um, a, you know, somebody has, you know, a classmate, I, I haven't had one of my classmates, but other people I've known who have committed suicide, and it's just the sheer stress of it. Um, so that organization has been great. Um, you know, 
I think every veterinarian is probably on their Facebook page and website and gets, you know, it gives you a hotline to reach out to or if you feel like you're having issues. Okay. So it is kind of like a hotline with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A support group. Them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Support group. Terrific. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things, especially I'm, you know, it's, it was something that wasn't talked about when I was in vet school and, and Dr. Wolverton, but the new grads coming out, I think it's something we're really that they've been conditioned with and, and talked to about, which I'd love. Um, but the, the main thing I tell any new grads coming in is, you know, you've got to love what you do. Um, you've got to have fun. We, if, if you would see the way <laughs> Dr. Wolverton and myself and staff sometimes act in the back, you would think that's a bunch of 12 year olds, but you have, <laughs> I have found that that humor and comedy is the best way to alleviate stress. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Um, on, a, on a lighter note, <laughs> yes. if somebody is getting one of these new 12 million puppies that are being, yes. uh, my goodness, um, what's the best advice you can give as to how do you choose a vet? Yes, that's a good, I think, and, and I can quote Bill Witt up on this. My mentor, um, the man is out in Glendale, California, right? now and Dr. Ro uh, John Romines was another one of my mentors and both of them were not big on advertising it I mean I mean to an extent you know not it was more they believed in word of mouth um and you know the best thing to do is ask somebody you know um you know who do you recommend a, a friend you you know you trust and stuff the other thing is to call um maybe say you're in East Memphis call a vet in Collierville and be like hey I'm moving to East Memphis who do you guys recommend me go see or call Memphis veterinary specialist and be like, Hey, I'm looking for a general practitioner because they typically know the clinics, you know, seeing, getting referrals that practice very good medicine. And I, I, I think everybody in Memphis practices good medicine. I think there's different levels of medicine, but I think that's the best way to go is word of mouth. Um, you know, the, the thing about Google reviews and all that stuff, um, they can be missed. And having been a victim of them, um, you can look at those and you see one side of the story. And so I tell people to be very cautious about the bad reviews on any clinic because you don't know the vet side and usually it's a lot different. I've seen some from other clinics and I know the vet side of it and it's really sad that they can't defend themselves. So be careful when you read those reviews. Don't necessarily go on those. I would go word of mouth, see who people like and, and you know, call other clinics in different areas of town say who do you recommend yeah uh, that is good advice because you do yes you do know plus if you get to a situation where you don't have um you have specialists in certain areas like for cancer dog can't dog with cancer or some other kind of hyperthyroidism or something of that mm -hmm. nature where they need some uh laser done or something you have uh, other vets that have got that material and that's what they specialize Correct. in. So Correct. you can kind of do a, uh, a referral on that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Terrific. So are you planning, I know you're looking for uh, another uh, veterinarian or two, uh, one yes. or two. <laughs> and I know yes, it's, not a, it's like any other business. It's everybody's got to get along. So you've got criteria mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, but, um, uh, I guess, and Mississippi State is the closest one. They have a graduating class that you're looking at possibly. Oh, we're, we're, we have been, <laughs> we're on their, I mean, their radar, um, okay. you know, it, it's like for us, it's got to be the right fit. The veterinarian who just left here, Dr. Brown, she was amazing, but, uh, she had an opportunity and, um, she's, she probably wouldn't be my mentioning her age she's 27 and so I would never want to hold anyone back at that age I mean yeah and and she got an opportunity she couldn't resist so um we said selfishly we hate your leaving but right go on go on right. your merry way and good luck to you <laughs> and so um you know we're we're actively looking and um the thing about you know Dr. Wolverton and I is we are big on mentorship um, because we received that from our mentors, Dr. Whittiff and Dr. Romines, and that's something that they instilled in us and we want to carry on. And obviously we've both been here 22 years, so we want to carry on what was started here. I know I've spent half my life here. I started here at 22 and I'm 44 now, so I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've grown up here basically. I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anything you'd like to add? We've really enjoyed it and I learned so much, especially with uh, the you know, not one more veterinarian. I had no idea. Yeah. I know it's stressful. 
just euthanizing. I, I can't, um, you've got oh, yeah. the dog or the cat, you've got the owners who are falling apart. Uh, I yeah. certainly see the stress there, but anything I, else I you'd think, like I, to add? I think the, the best thing, I, I spoke at Live at Night a couple of weeks ago, and I think the final thoughts I had there, they ring true now, is for people going into vets, I mean, and, and now that we can go in, things have kind of cooled down with COVID, but always be nice. Remember behind that stethoscope is somebody's daughter, somebody's son, husband, wife, child, you know, you know, aunt, uncle. And just remember that it is a person. And, you know, we may have a hard exterior on the outside, but we may have to leave the room and do something else. Or we may have a client yelling at us on another phone. So, and, and be patient because a lot of vets are, I know we're booking out weeks in advance. And so be patient with that. Um, you know, if you do come as the first available, we try to get you in as soon as possible. Um, but, you know, that's, I, I think that's the best advice for all my colleagues in town. And that was one thing during COVID, it was amazing to see all my colleagues. And there, it's never, I've never been prouder to be a veterinarian because colleagues, staff, you know, everybody from technicians to receptionists, to practice managers, to veterinarians, all came together and were helping each other out at different hospitals um, to, I mean, we all were just trying to survive the puppy exactly. boom. And, and right. I think, you know, summertime is usually very busy. It's been going in waves. And so that's, that's the biggest thing. I know on Monday, the, we were open and the ER just was overwhelmed and they called us and we saw, I think, eight or nine of theirs. And, you know, just, just helping each other out. Right. Uh, just because they're, I mean, you, it's, it's so much volume <laughs> to well, see. Yeah. And I do understand, you know, it, it's a lot of doctors, just regular doctors have joined either Methodist or Baptist because they can't really make right. it on their own. So you've got the same right. issues it's with hard. veterinarian. Yeah. And so if they shut yes. down and there's, there's more and there's more animals, it's an explosion. So mm -hmm. uh, it, exactly, exactly. Well, Wow. And that just adds more stress, which now, so, well, thank you so much. Um, oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Cassidy and Harley are doing fine. <laughs> so fortunately, Good. we have to Good. come in anytime soon, but um, thank you so much. You're, you're absolutely a wonderful veterinarian. I can, I can pledge oh, myself you. to that. You are, and I love your <laughs> office and your office staff and and so forth. Oh. So thank you so much for taking your hey, time. Do, to be do on you know, uh, LaCoya's back. LaCoya's back. Uh, yeah, we she, have up front. She's back. She, she, she actually called us and wanted to come back. So I just announced that publicly. Oh, terrific. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. She mm -hmm. didn't she go to a regular practice where they had people that she they went, did saw? She went, she went to she went to the human side and decided to come back. Come back to the so <laughs> I won't say anything else beyond that. <laughs> well, tell her hi for me. Tell her hi. I will. I will. Oh, okay. Right. Thank you so much. We will see you soon. All right. Y'all take it easy. Okay. All right. Bye bye. bye, -bye.